Hey, Chris from the Mighty Decibel here for our 11th discography review podcast. This time, we're going to be shining the light on the recorded works of legendary U.S. hard rock gods Van Halen. As always, we'll attack this chronologically, inserting tracks throughout to flesh out the sonic changes that occurred. Uh, given that there are 13 full-length studio records to cover, uh, we'll need to edit some of the tracks to keep the running time under one hour. So let's get started into investigating the discography of the mighty Van Halen. While well known on the LA bar scene circuit, Van Halen introduced themselves to the rest of the world with the groundbreaking self-titled debut in 1978. The classic lineup in place, we have the, the Van Halen brothers, Alex on drums and Eddie on guitars, Michael Anthony on bass, and mouthpiece David Lee Roth on the mic. Additionally, none other than Ted Templeman of Montrose and the Newbie Brothers fame uh, sitting in in the producer's chair. Uh, so not much more can be said of this already highly discussed <laughs> Beyond Classic debut. It introduced the blonde and athletic Roth to an unexpected world, and Eddie immediately was elevated to guitar god status through the less than two-minute eruption. From a song standpoint, the mid-tempo rockers became the best-known tracks, uh, you know them. But for me, it was the punishing full-on metal tracks that uh, make this album. I'm the One, Atomic Punk, I'm on Fire, Kicking Copious Ass. And that's not even including the band's best song of their whole career. The Hey, 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 Ain't Talking About Love. Glorious stuff there. Other highlights include Ice Cream Man, a David Lee Roth character builder and the catchy hard rock of Feel Your Love Tonight. Altogether, the self-titled debut contained tons of character and great songs, deservedly attaining legendary and diamond status. Pretty much a must-have in all Heavy Metal Head's record collections.
That was the self-titled debut, which I'd give a 10 out of 10 ranking. On to the all-important sophomore album now. A year later, in 1979, out comes Van Halen 2. And side one, in my opinion, the best side of any Van Halen record, bar none. Uh, Starts off somewhat predictably with another cover, since it worked on the debut. Uh, But the rest is primetime Van Halen. There's the perfect summertime track of Dance the Night Away, the blistering Somebody Get Me a Doctor and Bottoms Up, and then it's completed by the stop-start Out of Love, complete with great leads from Eddie. On to side two, and they open up with what I consider my second fave Van Halen track of all time, Light Up the Sky. And then Eddie takes center stage next with a pretty flamenco guitar solo, Spanish Fly, while the band returned to headbanging for the pounding DOA. Then the side and record is closed out by a melodic rocker and another summertime ditty in the form of Beautiful Girls. So no weaknesses here at all, other than maybe the uh, relatively tame, you're no good. Uh, In fact, to this day, I still regard this as the band's best, uh, obviously giving it a 10 out of 10. So Van Halen's image as the new heavy metal band was solidified with this album. And on a side note, I saw the band live on this tour, my first big event concert I ever attended. And trust me when I say that the crowd was electric and the band seemed to be jazzed at the reaction that they were getting.
to the races again the next year with 1980s Women and Children First. High hopes in place after hearing that there weren't any cover songs in this package. Uh, containing what I consider to be the overall, uh, the most sonically intense and combative Van Halen platter of them all. Women Children's Side 1 challenges Van Halen to Side 1 as the band's best. So keeping with tradition and the cradle will rock opens with a plodding rocker, uh, but superior to the first two album openers. Then it's on to the tribal drummed Everybody Wants Some, the noisy blues metal of Fools, and then closing the side in speed metal fashion with Romeo Delight, fantastic side. Uh, flip the vinyl over and the band open with the bulldozing instrumental leading straight into more speed metal in the form of Loss of Control. Take Your Whiskey Home brings down the pace, uh, um, an acoustic opening leading into a mid-tempo rocker. While Could This Be Magic then invites people to the campfire for a sing-along with the boys. While In a Simple Rhyme finishes the record off with a flurry, being one of the band's best deep album tracks in my opinion. I love that song. So once again, the band could do no wrong, other than a relatively short 33-minute length, uh, delivering yet another 10 out of 10 masterpiece. That's three in a row. So personally, this is my second fave Van Halen record, slightly ahead of the debut and slightly behind Van Halen 2.
So ends what I call the We Are Not Worthy era as chinks in the Van Halen armor start to appear with 1981's Fair Warning containing a number of tracks that didn't need to be heard. Uh, maybe not filler status, but not primetime stuff either. Uh, perhaps the pace of issuing four albums in four years was finally catching up to them. Uh, that said, there's three top-notch tracks to grab here. Uh, the quick-picking opener, Mean Street, the hip-swiveling good time of Sinner's Swing, and the power-packed Unchained. Otherwise, there's some toe-tapping stuff here, but tracks that I nevertheless never listened to. Uh, One Foot Out the Door being the only track to make deep album status, uh, in my opinion. Worse, the synth-laden instrumental Sunday in the Park was an ominous warning of what was to come. So altogether, disappointing and an uneven come to mind when reflecting about this album. Uh, this was reflected in the relative downturn in sales, uh, this being the lowest selling platter for the band to date, albeit still selling two times platinum in the U.S. I'd give this a 7 out of 10. Confirming concerns about the album a year pace raised about the inferior Fair Warning, the band returned a year later in 1982 with the made-for-radio Diver Down. So what do we get here? No less than five cover tunes, two short throwaway instrumentals, leaving a scant five original tracks to pick through. And of those five, only the speed metal highballs hang them high and the full bug are worthy of uh, extraction. Elsewhere, we get a host of ready-for-radio fodder, the band finally moving from a hard rock metal status to radio rockers. So for a guy immersed in the new wave of British heavy metal, accepts restless and wild tanks, filth hounds of Hades, and Venom's black metal at the time, this act of sabotage was, was too much. Uh, this was the album uh, being the one that caused me to jump off the Van Halen bandwagon. 
and the last tour I saw of the band on actually after seeing them four tours in a row. I, I simply see this as a cash grab, but the general public ate it up nonetheless to the tune of 4 million albums sold in the US alone. No accounting for taste, I guess. I'd give this a 4 out of 10, the nadir of the Van Halen collection. <laughs> Lazy Ones take a year off and return two years later with the cleverly titled 1984. This metalhead's expectations were low for this album. 
and the band delivers as much. <laughs> Yet another hair metal, radio-centered record that had me pushing further from the Van Halen table at the time. Uh, aimed straight at the MTV generation, Jump, Panama, and Hot for Teacher all saw heavy rotation, guaranteeing the band huge sales, 10 million and counting in the States. Most frustrating was all, that all three of these tracks were irritatingly memorable and the video's classic, so we had to view them over and over and over again ad nauseum. The other tracks were remarkably unremarkable, pleasant, but uh, ultimately forgettable. Admittedly better than the lame Diver Down and more effort obviously expended, uh, but not enough to entice back metalheads like me who were moving on uh, to Ride the Lightning, Haunting the Chapel, and Morbid Tales. Cries of sellouts fill the air from the underground. I give this a 6.5 out of 10. Oh, my God. 
despite or maybe because of the success of 1984, selling 10 million in the US, egos likely got in the way and caused the first fraction of the band. Out is Diamond Dave with the red rocker Sammy Hagar taking over at the mic. Additionally, Ted Templeman drops out with Mick Jones taking over production chores on the 1986 5150. For transparency, having fully fallen off the bandwagon by this time, I didn't purchase or listen to the rest of the Van Halen discography until prepping for this episode, balance and a different kind of truth being the exceptions. Of course, I heard the singles, but I haven't imbibed in the full platters until now. So call me pleasantly surprised upon hearing side one of 5150, uh, Van Hagar clearly expending some sweat and stepping back somewhat from the radio-only focus of the last two platters, uh, here seemingly offered an olive branch to their long-suffering hard rock fans out there. So yeah, side one contains radio begging tracks, but the overall bass seems to be built on a hard rock chassis, and it's nice to hear the get-up uh, speedballer. Uh, the production is perfect too, allowing the Anthony Van Halen rhythm section uh, to shine. Too bad then that side two doesn't hold up its end. Of the four tracks, only the tricky quick picking title track is worth listening to. Uh, the sappy keyboard pap of Love Walks In being especially putrid, while the other two are just there. Uh, so a difficult one to score given the dichotomy on display, but I'm going to land at a 6.5 with potential to increase to a 7 if given further opportunities. Uh, regardless of my take, the radio hit spoke and 6 million records sold statewide. Uh, 4 million uh, less than 1984, but still an impressive feat given they were breaking in a new lead singer. second album of the Van Hagar era is thrust on the world two years later in 1988 under the OU812 moniker. So not much nice to say here. This coming off is more corporate than 5150. The songs just ain't being there. So here's the scorecard. When it's love, sappy ballad. Feel so good, keyboardy radio rock. 
finish what you started. Acoustic rootsy rock, and then the plodding cabo wabo. So four down and five to go, the only three worthy of attention being the guilty pleasure of catchy single Mine All Mine, uh, Source of Infection, your typical Van Halen speed rocker, and the best track on offer here, Sucker in a Three-Piece. So on top of a dearth of quality tracks, there's also underwhelming production to deal with here, uh, the band sounding muffled and demoed, altogether missing the old Van Halen magic to be sure. I'd only give this a 5 out of 10. to 1991's For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, we have Ted Tebelman returning to the production chair and immediately pays dividends as this sounds much better than the rather lousy sounding OU812. Uh, it starts off promising enough too with the uh, catchy single opener Pound Cake followed by the up-tempo rocker Judgment Day, but that's followed by three aimless rockers. I'm glad to hear the move away from the corporate radio fodder, but this just sounds uninspired. On to side two, where third track, The Dream Is Over, opens with a prophetic, Hey, wake up! <laughs> Quote, mirroring my wandering state of mind after taking in two more uninspired rockers. Uh, the album then ends with piano-driven hit, Right Now. A short throwaway acoustic guitar instrumental, and then the almost celebratory Top of the World. So taken as a whole, it's certainly an improvement over the last release, but the Van Halen uh, Achilles heel is re reopened here, that being a lack of quality songs. Uh, so this would have been a great EP if the four best songs were pulled from this, uh, instead of having to sift through six unremarkable songs to get at them. Uh, sales continued to decline, uh, down 1 million in US sales compared to OU812, and 3 million down from 5150. Obviously still selling a good amount of pancakes, but definitely on a downward trajectory. I give this a 6 out of 10.
1995, the band issued Balance. So perceptible improvement in sound quality here once again, this time provided by Bruce Fairburn. Uh, so much so that after hearing atmospheric opener The Seventh Seal, I immediately went out and bought the thing. Uh, the first Van Halen album to be purchased, let alone listened to, in some 11 years for this ex-fan. Uh, call me pleasantly surprised, uh, given the amount of elbow grease on display here when I, when I first listened to it. Uh, the Seventh Seal, Can't Stop Loving You, Big Fat Money, and Aftershock being high-quality hard rock. Maybe not of the same party-hardy atmosphere of the Roth era Van Halen. Uh, here, the band sounding mature and confident. Although we can ignore the wham-bam Amsterdam refrain, <laughs> shall we? Uh, the other stuff wasn't world-beating, but still overall made for an impressive ear-candy listening experience. Uh, there was hope, after all. This was reflected in the sales, too, as Balance retained the same 3 million sales in the U.S. as the previous release, stemming the consistent slide in sales over the previous uh, three albums. My personal fave Van Hagar release. I give this a 7.
So ends the Van Hagar era as the Red Rocker is ousted and replaced by Extreme's Gary Sharon at the mic uh, three years later in 1998 for the three record. Uh, additionally, there were reports suggesting that Eddie took control of the recording, minimizing Anthony's role uh, to playing on uh, only three tracks and even recorded some of the drums. Uh, Anthony uh, subsequently noted that it really should have been an Eddie solo record. And after listening to this, I would agree uh, it would have been a good idea to issue it as, as a solo record, given how different it is to the other Van Halen records. And it's not like it's caused by Sharon's vocals, given given that they're in the same ballpark as Hagar's. Now, what's, what's different here is the songwriting, much more adventurous, uh, extended compositions that definitely move out of the Van Halen party mode, even extending into prog territory somewhat. Uh, Fire in the Hole being the only familiar sounding track coming off like something off of balance. Uh, so no commercial tracks or even classic Van Halen speedsters on display here. This is just different. Uh, so clocking in at over an hour, it's obvious that a lot of thought and sweat was expended in the creation of this record, but ultimately it veers too far away from the Van Halen sound. So it's not surprising that this has been blackballed by many a Van Halen fan reflected in its sales being the worst performing record of the discography only hitting gold in the u.s so personally i don't actively hate this other than the boring year to the day uh, but i wouldn't reach out to listen to it ever again either uh, so note that the record concludes with a let's say interesting vocal from eddie on how many say i which proves that the band indeed needed a lead singer I give this a 5.5.
So ends the Sharon era after one sole album, with Hagar returning for touring duties in 2004 before leaving again for good. What else to do then but to do what the hardcore fans really wanted? A reformation with Roth, albeit without bassist Michael Anthony, uh, resulting in a different kind of truth some 14 years after the previous release. Opening with Tattoo, it sends an immediate message that the band was returning to the classic Van Halen sound. Not surprising given that seven of the 13 tracks are reworked versions of songs originally written in the 70s and 80s. Overall, the sound is definitely upbeat and fun, eschewing the experimentation of the previous three record, uh, certainly embracing the need for speed. Some push and pull for me, though, uh, here. I'm certainly glad to hear the return to a more metallic, hard rock and sound, uh, but I find even the best tracks just missing something, uh, being a whisker short of excellent. Uh, that said, Out of Space has to be excluded from this comment, exploding with energy and uh, Eddie's guitar histrionics. Additionally, and I'm emotionally on side with the return of Roth to the mic, but uh, even studio wizardry can't hide the fact that his vocals have deteriorated over time. So despite trying hard to love this thing, eventually I came to the conclusion that I liked the record, but it wasn't quite the full return to form I was hoping for. Uh, that said, it's still the best Van Halen record in three decades. I give this a 7.5. Wow! 
there you have it, a review of the full Van Halen discography as Eddie subsequently passed away from cancer in October of 2020, leading to the dissolution of the band. Thanks for listening, and remember to check in on our website, www.themightydecibel.com. Have a great one. Bye.